0: Let's pray. Gracious God, help us to learn how to trust you and to live like we trust you and not put our faith in things that will not last. In your name we pray, amen. Why is the farmer declared a fool. He did well as a farmer. And now in retirement age, he has done well enough to build bigger barns to house all of his crops. Now he can relax and enjoy the fruits of his labor. Isn't that the way it's supposed to be done? Why is Jesus beating up on this guy? Why does Jesus refer to this man as a fool? The rich farmer is a fool, not because he's wealthy or because he saves for the future, but because he appears to live only for himself. He is like Narcissus, staring at his image in the water. His conversation is only with himself. His focus on the future is about what He will do, I will do this and I will do that. My crops, my grain, my goods, I will say to my soul, soul, Narcissus. There is no thought here expressed to using the abundance to help others. No expression of gratitude for his good fortune. No recognition of God at all except for the unholy trinity of me, myself, and I. Now, we don't know the status of the farmer's belief system, and yet it really doesn't matter, does it? God does not show up in the conversation that he has with himself. The farmer is guilty of functional atheism. Believing in God, probably this character believed in God, as virtually everyone did in Jesus' time, but living as though there were no God. To live as someone who believes in God means that we have imaginations and language that continually points us outside of ourselves to God and neighbor. Neither shows up here. The sad part is that there's a growing number of people today in a more secular society, who may believe in God, sure, but live as though they were an atheist, as though there were no God. And by the way, this includes people in the, in the church. More and more of us are functional atheists as we fail to find room in our imaginations, in our language, for the presence and movement of God in our lives. And this is a major part of the crisis that's facing uh, churches everywhere today. Functional atheism leads to and is most likely caused by a second mistake made by the rich farmer. He's not foolish because he makes provisions for the future. He's foolish because he believes that by his wealth he can secure his future. Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. He has tried to insulate himself from fate and fortune through productive farming and adequate finances, and he's come up empty. No sooner has he envisioned his future than God speaks to declare, what the future actually holds for him, that, n- that night his life will be demanded of him. So, so much for his hard-earned plans for security. So much for that in which, in which he had placed his trust. Uh, you see the same sort of uh, delusion today in pro sports, um, where a player is negotiating a contract and weighing competing offers. We're talking about the difference between, say, 50 million and 70 million, something like that. And what the player, or an apologist for the player, might say to a disappointed hometown fan when the player bolts for 70 million instead of uh, 50, goes something like this. Well, so-and-so had to think about the security of his family. Or, as NBA player Luttrell Spreerall famously once said, while spurning a lucrative Timberwolves offer in favor of a better one, I have to think about putting food on the table for my family. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Is is that what this is about? No. Um, No one should begrudge a high-priced entertainer or athlete the chance to become wealthy in the marketplace. What is both laughable and sad all at once is the idea that multi-million dollar contracts are about providing security or putting food on the table. I think we're a little beyond security at that point. And yet, yet these folks sound a bit like the rich farmer. In this respect, they are both preoccupied with security making something of their lives that's dependable, right? They seem to think that the key to their future is what they can secure on the open market. Oftentimes, they never feel they have enough. So they, we, continue to amass more. But how much is enough? Thinking that financial or material success will give you freedom and allow you a carefree attitude is a sad illusion, As Luther taught us, our attempts in this world at self-justification, making our lives meaningful, are doomed to fail. Many a study of affluent neighborhoods, neighborhoods where we see people who are supposedly living the American dream, they've got it made, right, reveal a disproportionate level of the diseases of an unhealthy human community. Extensive drug abuse, high divorce rate, high suicide rate, loneliness and depression. What happens to any of us when we think we had secured our future, when we had acquired all the things needed for happiness that we've learned from our culture and from commercials and things, but we still don't feel secure in here? But you see, of course, things like security and happiness are not things that we can control. For in truth, and our biblical text reminds us of that, we are not in control of much at all. Just ask the farmer. Just ask any of the victims or families of the last 24 hours, and so on, and so on. Or consider this. Here's a picture of my brother David, taken in 1985 in front of the Twin Towers. One year later, my kid brother was struck by lightning and died, as I'm I probably told you at some point. Um, Sixteen years later, well, you know what happened. So, you have there an image of things out of our control. The grass withers, the flower fades well to remind ourselves the word of the Lord lasts forever how much control does any of us really have then again what, what do we expect we are only creatures while God is the creator and our God our creator promises to handle the security question for us Only the unconditional promises God can give to us matter. The assurance that nothing in all of creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. You want to talk about freedom? There you have it. So, in response to our ever-present angst, God invites us to let go and let God. That also means that all the dumb ways that we try to justify our existence and make our lives meaningful are moot points. We are accepted. We are justified. And now we are invited to live not in isolation, but in community with God and neighbor. We also have the gift of knowing that this life and the work that we do is meaningful because God makes it so a gift. I'm ever thankful that my brother Dave knew about this kind of security, and he lived it. He lived it. The great theologian Paul Tillich said that faith must include, and I quote, an acceptance of our acceptance. In other words, accept the fact that God accepts us as we are, as we are, and invites us into a new community where we are free from that which imprisons us. Just picture that, that load of stuff that Greta had in her arms. Things that include money and things and our propensity to find security there. The freedom of the gospel means we don't hoard things and cling to our self-sufficiency. Instead, we become generous. Generous. But when we imagine that our lives are just a soliloquy like the farmer does, divorced from God and fellow human beings, we become the worst kind of false god unto ourselves. This is illustrated by the story of a family who put up a hummingbird uh, feeder that soon drew so many hummingbirds that they had to fill it daily. But suddenly, this decreased to almost nothing. The feeder needing filling was filled only once a week. What happened? A male bird had taken over the feeder as his property. He was now the only hummingbird who used it. He would feed and then sit in a nearby tree, rising to attack any bird that approached his feeder. Guard duty occupied his every waking hour. By choosing to assume ownership of the feeder, he forfeited his freedom. This bird was possessed by his possession. When one considers our nation on a macro scale, do we not see the same thing happening? Over the last 40 years, roughly 1% of our population has reaped the benefits of corporate profits, benefits largely not shared with the rest of us, including those upon whose backs they made the profit. This is basic economic data, by the way. And I realize it's complicated. The 1% has also generated jobs, yes. We're talking about the profits, the excess, in the midst of significant want and basic needs unmet. Do we have enough to care for everyone? Without a doubt. But not if the feeder is being guarded by the bird that thinks the feeder is his. There's another way for we as Christians, though, as we consider where we store God's abundant blessings to us. As Martin Luther King Jr. once said in a sermon on this text, we can store our surplus food free of charge In the shriveled stomachs of the millions of God's children who go to bed hungry every night. Now there's an image for you, huh? Here's the truth of our text today. Our lives and our possessions are not our own. They belong to God. We are merely stewards of them for the time God has given us on this earth. We rebel against this truth because we want to be in charge of our lives and our stuff, but we are not owners. We are stewards of what belongs to God. And those things that we are stewards of exist for the good of all, not just for me and my tribe. What does that mean for you, for our budgets at home, our assets? What does it mean for the money we have here at Mount Carmel, in our general fund, in our various funds, in our foundation? What does that mean, that we're stewards? But do we not forget what good news this truth is, that we are stewards and not owners? Because all that we are and all that we have belongs to God. Our future is secure beyond all measure. As Jesus tells us, do not be afraid, little flock, for it is... Your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Let me close with an illustration that is a counterpoint to the farmer in our story today, and one that shatters the illusions we have about the meaning of life. A few years ago, there was a televised interview with a man who had lost his house and all his possessions to a raging fire, a uh, brush fire driven by the Santa Ana winds in California. Um, recalling that his, his brother had recently mused that they should be careful not to allow their possessions to possess them. This man, who had just seen everything he owned but the shirt on his back go up in smoke, announced to the reporter with a note of unexpected triumph, I am a free man now. Sound a little crazy? It's unlikely any of us would feel unambiguously free if we lost everything in a fire. And yet, what we own can indeed hold us prisoner if we live like atheists. Just remember of the, the image of the children's sermon and the possessions. You too are invited to be free. Free to live, free to love, free to trust in your God who provides That is security. Amen.